Hello and welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hurts, and today we'll cap off our AFC East team previews with a look at the New York Football Jets. Without further ado, your 2020 New York Jets Fantasy Football Team Preview. First question starts under center. As always, can Adam Gase enable his young QB, Sam Darnold, to a year three boom? And I'm going to go with no. That's my that's my uh, answer to start things off. And it's not even really to do with Darnold. The guy is still just so young. I mean, it's too early to give up on him. Literally, Sam turned 23 in June. So even though things aren't coming along, we're still looking at a quarterback that has plenty of room to grow. I just wonder, like, what is different about this year for Sam other than him having, you know, another year in a system that really hasn't elevated other anyone other than Peyton Manning, who's like single, who is singularly most known for changing the play at the line of scrimmage, you know, just being a mastermind at always, you know, calling the perfect play to attack that defense. I mean, if you remove the Peyton Manning years from Adam Gase, it's just miserable. And I know you can look at these quarterbacks that he's, you know, had Jay Cutler's of the world, you know, your Tannehill and this and that and say, okay, maybe Gase hasn't had the people around him, but you know, for it's, it's just making a lot of excuses for almost a half decade now for a guy who has, you know, routinely had plenty of control over his team's personnel. I mean, ultimately this was the league's 32nd and 31st ranked offense in yards per play and points per game last year. I mean, it's just, it shouldn't be a hot take. And I don't think it is a hot take to believe that, you know, Sam Darnold is not really going to give us any fantasy production going into next season. I mean, you look at, okay, great. The Jets had a six and two end to last year. Darnold got healthy. Maybe everyone was coming together. I'm not buying that. It was one of the most fluky six and two runs you're going to ever see. You know, one is a win is a win. I get it, but come on. They beat the Giants, Washington, Raiders, Dolphins, and, you know, Steelers led by Mason Rudolph or Duck Hodges, and they beat the Bills backups in week 17. One of their losses was to the previously winless Bengals. So, I mean, this was far from a good team, even during this 6-2 and two stretch. And, again, just looking at Darnold, okay, the offensive line was one of the worst groups in the league. They have thrown a ton of resources at it in free agency, but it's one of these situations where, you know, we would hope for some continuity, and you don't want to continue a bad unit, but it's a little bit of a stretch to say that, you know, the league's worst offensive line is going to, you know, even touch average just by throwing a bunch of free agents in there who, you know, are talented, but it's not like, you know, they broke the bank for these guys either. It's more of a, you know, just throwing a bunch of pieces at it, similar to what the Bills did last offseason. That worked out well enough for them, but I'm just not, you know, convinced that Darnold is going to give us the same fantasy-friendly nature of Josh Allen, you know, due to both his uh, his lack of a rushing floor and also just the reality that who is he going to be throwing to? You know, one of the things the Bills did for Josh Allen last offseason was get him Smokey Brown, get him Cole Beasley, and now Stephon Diggs. And, you know, while Denzel Mims has a lot of truthers out there and the guy looks like he could be a baller, you know, that him being really the only high priced, you know, in draft, just in terms of draft capital, the only high priced addition to this offense is a little worrisome for Donald. So, you know, I think we're going to continue to see the flashes, you know, just Donald having this insane arm talent, squeezing the ball between three guys uh, at various points. But just in this Adam Gase offense with the players around him, I, I still just don't know how you can rely on Donald as anything other than almost just like, a backup, you know, streamer option at best ahead of 2020. Uh, looking at the backfield, 
it's just another situation that I'm largely going to be fading in fantasy, guys. I mean, Le'Veon Bell was not as bad as everyone kind of thought uh, last season. Yes, he averaged a career low 3.2 yards per carry. But, you know, the Jets and the Dolphins were the only offensive lines in the league that couldn't even get their running backs at least one yard before contact per rush. I mean, Bell's 59 broken tackles were good for the ninth highest mark among RBs. And I mean, even looking at the rate of which he broke tackles, I mean, he was kind of on par with your Christian McCaffrey's of the world, you know, kind of in that top 12 15 range he continued to ball out when lined up as a true wide receiver as has been the case throughout his career the problem is the once just you know incredibly high receiving floor you know going back to you know the team jam them in days with him and uh david johnson dfs used to be a cheat code back in 2016 that pretty much evaporated and you know you look at last season for bell to only get 78 targets in 15 games is just it's just really absurd. I mean, in 2016, he had 94 targets in 12 games. You know, 2017 in 15 games, he had 106. He had 105 targets in 16 games in 2014. I just don't see a scenario where Bell is going to approach triple-digit targets again if it didn't happen last year. We've now added LaMichael Pirine, who's you know, a little more of a pass-friendly back in the draft. And, you know, all this is before even getting to the biggest issue of all, which is the inconvenient truth Frank Gore now being in the fold. And Gore, you know, has had over 125 touches pretty much every single season of his career. He's already getting lauded by Adam Gase. You know, we've seen Gase bring in Gore before, going back to Miami, and pretty much just taking away touches from a more deserving younger guy. Gore doesn't suck at by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, you look back at last year, he had that one touchdown at the goal line where he just straight up ran over, you know, a linebacker that was in the way. He still does things well. There's a reason why he's stuck around this long. It's not like he's a complete liability out there. Nothing against Frank Gore, dude's a legend. But I just think that they did not bring Gore in to not give him the rock, probably triple-digit times. So we have Bell, who's in a bad offense, who did not look great last year. And again, some of those broken tackle numbers paint a slightly better picture. But, you know, still Bell's worst season by far. And what are we expecting the improvement from other than just Bell being a much better player. And I know he's come out and, you know, say he's best shape of his life and lost this weight and that weight. That's great and all, but you know, we're already thinking, already thinking his targets are capped. The rush attempts are going to be severely uh, worse because of Gore's presence. And again, this is all inside of what should be anyone's idea of a bottom five to three to maybe even bottom one offense in the entire league. So, you know, I have, I'm not sure I've drafted bell in a single draft this year. You know, obviously rooting for all these guys to have great seasons, but we'll just be shocked if we see too much out of Bell in 2020. On to the wide receivers. Interesting room. Mem's currently dealing with this hamstring injury, I believe. Hasn't been able to consistently practice. It's unfortunate because this was looking like a situation where, you know, among rookie wide receivers, one of the kind of softest wide receiver rooms for him to rise up. We've got Jamison Crowder in the slot, Rashad Perryman serving as the Robbie Anderson, field stretching replacement on the outside. I mean, Mims could have been the guy seemingly. With that said, I think Crowder has always been the favorite uh, to be the leader in this offense. And we just look at Adam Gase's history of feeding slot receivers, you know, from Wes Welker to Eddie Royal to Jarvis Landry to Danny Amendola to Jamison Crowder last year. I mean, the guy just finds a way to feed the slot. And we saw, you know, Darnold have no problem doing that. Even dating back to 2018 when Quincy and Numwa and even Jermaine Curse were just getting fed uh, for certain stretches. And Crowder, what was interesting last year, I mean, 7.6 targets per game, usually underneath. 
He wasn't really this high floor, no boom guy, though. I mean, Crowder was actually one of just 15 wide receivers to finish at least five weeks as a top 12 PPR scorer at the position. Only Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones, and Kenny Galladay spent more weeks as a PPR wide receiver one. And now, yeah, Crowder was tied with a bunch of guys, like I said, top 15. You no, know, it's not like he was uh, fifth or sixth behind those dudes, but. There's a real potential we see Crowder again lead the way in targets. And maybe, you know, without having Robbie there, with having a banged up rookie, we could even see him, you know, add an extra 10 or 20 targets to that, give him the better floor we kind of thought was there, and still have these boom weeks. You know, I've he's not sexy at all to draft, but Jameson Crowder will almost assuredly beat his average draft position on volume alone. You know, I called Randall Cobb discount Jameson Crowder. Like, you get these guys on your team. You don't feel great about it. Your friends might laugh at you. But, hey, people, fantasy points are fantasy points. Uh, the Brashad Perryman part is interesting because, I mean, one of my biggest misses last year was just, you know, once Goblin and Evans went down, I continued to fade Brashad Perryman based on what we had seen the previous, I mean, just during his Ravens tenure and even, you know, parts of that Tampa Bay uh, beginning. It was just brutal. And, you know, Hey, the dude balled out, showed me up, and even going back to his days with the Browns in uh, 2018, this is a guy that's been now playing really good football uh, over the past two seasons. And hey, he's going, he's running a 4-3, 40-yard dash with size. Like it makes sense why Perryman's worked out. You know, it was always one of the more uh, confusing busts, I think, in a kind of recent. Uh, first round wide receiver memory. So, you know, all the credit in the world to Perryman for getting back on track. The issue is like, why should we expect Perryman to do more than what Robbie Anderson could do in this offense? Crowder and I, a guy we'll talk about in a second, I think should be the favorites to be one, two in this offense and targets. Maybe Perryman can provide some boomer bust, but I just, you know, while he has been playing better, I still believe that, you know, Robbie Anderson is the better wide receiver. And if Robbie couldn't, you know, put together more numbers over his last two seasons, have a hard time believing Perryman will do so. So I'm fine with Crowder at value, but otherwise we'll be staying away from these wide receivers. But with that said, all right, maybe a little bit of Perryman. I would say Perryman could be an under the radar, you know, last few round dart throw in best ball because that was kind of Robbie's role. It was, it was what he was good for last year. Now, we wanted him to be this true wide receiver one. That's why his ADP was more jacked up. He's not, and he never was, and that's okay. Uh, but it hurt you if you drafted him at that ADP. Perryman is pretty much in that same role as a boomer bust field stretcher, which is valuable in best ball formats when we don't have to predict the specific times where he's going to be going off. And, you know, all the time I'm playing best ball now. It's with underdog fantasy. And, you know, if you guys want to go out there, take a stab on Brashad Perryman late, and then, you know, be rooting and hollering in week six when he happens to, you know, rip off an 80-yard touchdown, I would recommend you all go to underdog fantasy. Uh, be sure to enter code PFF after you make your first deposit, and you will get a free entrance into their $1 million tournament. So, hey, you know, if, if you end up putting a Perryman, win that million dollars, just remember who sent you there. That's code PFF with underdog and now on to the main event everyone chris herndon i have been absurdly high on herndon all off season you know published an article um last week that was just you know my favorite guys my guys in fantasy football rankings are great but you know who are you ultimately drafting chris herndon has been that guy for me and for multiple reasons and this was even before we got this training camp update where you know we literally had adam Gase come out and say chris is our starting tight end 
gives us a lot of flexibility. It's rare to have, a, and this is from Adam Gase's mouth directly, it's rare to have a guy with the ability to be as effective as a pass catcher and a guy that's explosive when he gets the ball in his hands and still be an on-the-line tight end that can block in the run game and also pass protect. Um, Chris does give you something that you just don't see a lot with all tight ends across the league where you can say, I can leave him in protection and feel comfortable. If we're running a play to his side, I'm not worried about anything because he does a really good job of using the technique he's coached, knowing what to do, and he's physical. Chris is a guy that has rare traits in that aspect. The concern was he wouldn't be starting because of Ryan Griffin, and I just always thought that was puzzling because nothing that Herndon has done on the field represents anything other than an awesome tight end. I mean, since 2000, here's a full list of rookie tight ends to average at least eight yards per target. Mark Andrews, Rob Gronkowski, Hunter Henry, Heath Miller, Aaron Hernandez, Noah Fant, Jordan Reed, Zach Ertz, George Kittle, and Chris Herndon. We never get production out of the tight end position in their first year. Herndon was one of the rare players able to do that. And what happened in 2019? Starts the year off with a suspension and then pulls his hamstring running routes on air. It wasn't like he went out there, was ineffective, and the coaching staff decided to go at Ryan Griffin. Herndon never went out there because he was hurt or suspended. Now he's healthy. I mean, even before Gase uh, came out and just explicitly said he's their starting tight end, we have beat writers, teammates all throughout the offseason hyping up Herndon. I truly believe he's talented, you know, in one of the league's potentially better tight ends. And the guy's got a sub tight end 20 ADP. He is so free. He has a very real chance at finishing in this offense's top two pass game targets. I've maintained, like, people, go out there, have a few beers, have a few drinks, and then look at the Jets' pecking order. It would not be shocking if Herndon finishes as this team's number one pass game target. It's so rare for tight ends to have that. You can get him for free. I mean, look, if you're drafting Kittle, Andrews, uh, um, Kelsey at the top, I get it. There's not really a need for these guys, but I cannot think of a better tight end for late round investors to look at than Chris Herndon. So uh, moving on to the ranks, I have Sam Donald as my QB 27, one spot ahead of Tyrod Taylor, one spot behind Phillip Rivers. Yeah, don't don't be taking too many risks on Sam Darnold, everyone. It's just, again, not having the rushing floor, not having the weapons. I, I just don't see a scenario where Darnold balls out unless he just, you know, takes a massive leap and just puts the team on his back, you know, similar to Greg Jennings back in the day. So I'm pretty much out on Darnold this season. Le'Veon Bell is my RB23, one spot behind Todd Gurley, one spot ahead of Devin Singletary. I think I think Bell is like a better running back at this point than Gurley, Fournette, David Montgomery, uh, even David Johnson, who I'll have ranked ahead of him. But again, I think the targets aren't really there already. I think the carries are about to take a massive hit because of Gore. So, you know, more often than not, I have not been coming away with Bell in fantasy drafts. At wide receiver, I have Crowder. You know, he, again, he's not a guy that I think you should be expecting wide receiver to value, volume from, but I have him as a wide receiver 37, one spot behind Tyler Boyd, one spot ahead of Darius Slayton. Don't reach for Crowder. Like, he's not going to give, I don't think he's going to finish anything close to a wide receiver one this year, but 
there is, you know, a more likely scenario than not that he flirts with that wide receiver two borderline. You know, we want upside. And again, he gives you some of that sneaky upside that you wouldn't really expect from a player of his position. And even if he becomes more of a floor guy, it's okay to have that type of receiver as your wide receiver five, wide receiver six on the squad. I'm fine to go uh, with Crowder there. Perryman and Mims, I just think they're going to kind of cancel each other out to some extent. You know, we even got Chris Hogan in there now and some other guys. So I have Mims as my wide receiver 63, one spot behind Antonio Gibson, one spot ahead of uh, Antonio Brown. How about that? But uh, it's just a tough situation for him to thrive in. You know, Adam Gase, always a tricky dude to expect how he's going to play his rookies to begin with. Uh, more so just, yeah. Take Jameson Crowder. Don't worry about the rest. Chris Herndon, my tight end, 14, one spot behind. Blake Jarman, one spot ahead of TJ Hawkinson. I want Herndon ahead of Johnny Smith, ahead of Hayden Hurst, ahead of Austin Hooper, Dallas Goddard, Sternberger. I just think, again, it's a guy that we've seen do nothing except ball out when he's healthy on the field. We know he's healthy now. He's on the field, and he's getting all the, you know, just coach speak fluff that we should be hoping he'll get, and it's... Oh, it's not even just fluff, though. It's like work, active workload telling us he's going to be starting, telling us there's no reason to take him off the field. Like, if we see Chris Herndon come week one, play 90% of the snaps against the Bills, you know, he's cheap as hell on DraftKings, too. Definitely going to be, you know, a sleeper everyone's going for. Like, he's going to be on top of every waiver wire addition after that. Do yourself a favor. Devote one of your last roster spots to Chris Herndon. There's a good chance you have a borderline tight end one on your squad for the rest of the season. Moving on to the win total, we have the New York Jets at seven. Uh, Miami Dolphins are six and a half, and then we got the Bills and Patriots at nine. This AFC East, I mean, they're getting a little better with the Patriots in this, you know, quote unquote down year, but still have a tough time expecting, you know, 500 ball from the Jets, which is what we would need to hit the over on this win total. I am going to confidently take the under on seven wins here. We're talking about maybe the single worst defense in the league now with Jamal Adams out of the picture. I do not trust, you know, a coaching staff led by Adam Gase and Greg Williams to put their team in the best position to succeed. As I mentioned before, I mean... That 6-2 and two finish the last season was just one of the more fluky things you're going to ever see. Uh, don't think there's enough you know, talent infusion on offense for too meaningful of a turnaround. So we're looking at anyone's idea of a bottom five defense. And like, what's our best case scenario for this Jets offense? Like 16th? Like, come on. I'm taking under seven wins. Not expecting much for the Jets. Uh, I hope they move on from Gaze sooner rather than later. Give Darnold a better chance to reach his sky-high potential still. Not giving you, not giving up on you, Sam. Just the 2020 Jets. So, that'll do it. Thank you all for listening. This has been the 2020 New York Jets Fantasy Football Team Preview. I'm your host, Ian Harditz. Everyone, take care.